Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Welcome to Royal Rebounds TV with Calvin and Barry. Just two crazy fans of the Sacramento Kings and they sharing their opinion. So be sure that you subscribe. It's for the fans, by the fans. Whether you chilling on the couch or wilding in the stand. For laid back conversations about the Kings, subscribe here. Staying down until we come up thinking this gonna be our year. We're here drinking beer, talking about the Kings. Be sure you subscribe so you can hear that bell ring. Yeah. What's up, Kings fans? Welcome back to Royal Rebounds, a YouTube channel for Kings fans by Kings fans. Well, Calvin, the Sacramento Kings lose tonight 114-126 to the Golden State Warriors. It looked like it was going to be a blowout. The Kings were able to come back somewhat in this game. They end up uh, losing it again at the end. No Fox, no Bagley, no Davis. We see a new career high by Davion Mitchell and the Warriors made 23s tonight. They sure did. They had 13 in the first half for a team that averages 14.5 made threes per game. Pretty wild. We're going to talk about that. We're going to be talking about some trades, a bunch of fun things coming up. So make sure you guys stay tuned. We'll be right back with your Kings nightcap. All right, we're here. I'm drinking a beer by myself today. Hopefully you guys are in the chat as well. You guys made me do too many shots yesterday. And we're talking about your Sacramento Kings. What's up, Mike? Good to see you there. Fred, Brian, welcome. Welcome, everybody. Not as much fun as yesterday's post game uh, because there was a loss tonight. However, still got to watch some more Kings basketball. And uh, I saw some positives from the game tonight, Calvin. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I saw some positives, too. There, there was definitely good and bad out there. Um, but, you know, even yesterday, the Kings won, and it, we were all happy about that. But most of our show was not really about the Kings winning. <laughs> you know, like, that. It, as Mike says, snap back to reality. Oop, there goes gravity. Oop, there goes gravity. This is still not a good team. And they played yeah. one of the better teams in the league tonight. So all that aside... Um, that being said, good stuff tonight. Davion was great, uh, especially in the first half. 21 points in the first half. The Warriors really, you could tell they switched up their defensive strategy in the second half. They were doubling him early and often. They were making sure that he wasn't going to get easy looks or easy lanes to the basket. Mm -hmm. Mo Harkless, really good tonight. Back-to-back -to -back games, double-digit scoring for him. Only three games double-digit scoring for the whole year before these two. And Harrison six, Barnes six had a great game tonight. as well. Yes, he was course. good on both ends of the floor. Really complete game from him. The bad, they just let this team shoot an incredible <laughs> amount of threes, wide open. I mean, some of them you can't do anything about. Clay Thompson goes absolutely nuts in the first quarter. I thought he was going to score 37 again on the Kings for a minute there. Some of those shots, 
you had hands in his face, he just makes them because he's yep. Clay Thompson. Yep. But a lot of those threes, a lot of offensive rebounds in the first half, leading to open threes, transition threes off of turnovers, something that the Kings really haven't done a good job at controlling all year long. And when you play a team like the Warriors, they can get that hot that quick. That's the difference in this game. I mean, they outscored them by like 30 points or something just at the three-point line. Yeah. You know, the Warriors were missing some guys tonight. We didn't see Bill Itza. Draymond Green was out. Andre Iguodala was out. Otto Porter was out. James Wiseman was out. It didn't matter. Like you said, they're still the Warriors. And, uh, you know, they still do their thing. They still have a great system. And they still have a bunch of great players. Exactly. And that's another thing we talked about yesterday. The Nets, when their stars struggle, they need bigger time performances from guys that you wouldn't yep. always expect to step up. The Warriors get that on a daily basis even when their stars play. Kaminga, 14 points off the bench tonight. He was really, really good. Jordan Poole's been great for them all year long. So they can – that's just how they operate. It, you know, it's equal opportunity. Everybody yep. who has a chance to score will score. I agree. What's up, Jeff? What's up, Fred? Ramon? Key Kings? Welcome in, everybody. Calvin is actually left-handed as well. And that's why we sit in the places that we do. Same with Vinny or uh, Vinny Squatch, as everyone is calling him now. But uh, that's why I sit on this side. Because if I sit on that side, then he's always bumping my elbow when we're eating or doing whatever. So if you have a left-handed friend, make sure he sits to your left. <laughs> to your left. I really only write and eat with my left hand. I do pretty much everything else right-handed. Yeah, I mean, so does Jeff the lefty. So anyways, back to the game here. The Warriors started out red hot in this game. They went on a 13-2 run to start the game. Uh, you know, it wasn't good for Sacramento. Things got even worse in the second quarter. The Kings were down by 26, I believe, yep. at one point in this game. Uh, a few things that I saw early on, Davion was incredible. Like you mentioned, 21 points at halftime in only 20 minutes. And I also saw Steph and Curry. Eight assists also. I yes. think that's going to be something that's a little overlooked. I saw him make one bad pass today. The rest of them, he was playmaking. Like, he, he yeah. was Tyrese tonight. He, he had a couple turnovers late in the yeah. game. Yeah. But we'll talk about that a little bit later. Another thing I noticed was, you know, Steph Curry picked up his third foul in the second quarter. And I'm just thinking, wow, if I'm the Kings, like, just go at Steph. Go at Steph. Go, go, go. They're already missing Draymond Green. If you're able to take Steph out of this game, too, the Kings have a much better chance of winning this game. And I was a little disappointed. They kind of went away from that. It seemed like Harrison Barnes was really aggressive early on. When he saw Steph switching over to him, he's like, oh, I'm taking it right at him. Mm -hmm. And that's how he was able to get him in foul trouble. But, you know, defense, the Kings need better defense. They allowed 73 points in the first half. They scored yeah. 54, which I thought is pretty decent. You're, you're going to win some games. If you're scoring, you know, 54 points and a half, but not if you give up over 70. The third quarter was much kinder to Sacramento than the second quarter. And then we all saw what happened in the fourth quarter tonight where the Kings were able to cut it within, I think, like nine and yeah, 10, 10, nine. Like and then there was a bunch of back and forth. We saw Steph Curry get hit in the face with a bloody nose. And uh, the Warriors just were a better team. And they showed it at the end of the game when they closed it out. Yeah, I mean, it's a very typical Warriors game, right? They shot lights out from three. They're 
one of those teams that's just capable of an amazing explosion of offense in such a short amount of time. So, you know, they can really get a huge lead like we saw tonight very, very quickly on teams. And it's really devastating to a team's, you know, mental psyche in the middle of a game like that, especially when you're playing pretty well yourself, at least early on offensively. Um, you know, Davion was, was great scoring the ball. Uh, on, you know, most other nights when you don't give up 13 made threes in the first half, you're going to be right in this game at halftime, mm-hmm. feeling good about it. Yep, and it's the Warriors, and that's what they do is they shoot threes. They didn't even have to get in the paint tonight. We talk about yeah. how horrible this Kings defense is inside. They, they didn't even have to get inside. I mean, they're horrible all the way around. They, they don't. <laughs> they really don't do a good job uh, in any phase of, of defense, team defense. You know, Harkless was really good tonight defensively. Uh, Tyrese has been really good defensively. I thought that Davion did a really good job on Steph Curry for most of this night. He was guarding Clay too after Clay got really, really hot. Mm-hmm. They still made threes on him, but you know he, he did everything that he could do defensively. Those ju- that's just the two greatest shooters of all time making yep. shots. Yep. So they they have you know brief moments, but it's a team game, and they're one of the worst team defenses in the league. Yep. What's up, Alex? Good to see you. You're right. We did win last night, and thank you for joining us last night as well. No De'Aaron Fox again tonight, Calvin, and I got an update on De'Aaron Fox, but I'm going to make you guys wait until Around the Crown, and we'll mention some more potential news on from Barry. on De'Aaron Fox and, and what exactly is going on with him and his sore ankle. Cal, let's let's do your keys of the game first, and then we'll then we'll do box score. I okay. didn't write the keys of the game for this one, <laughs> so right. of course they lost, but that's okay. <laughs> All right, well you can have the keys to the game for the Thunder. How about that? Um, number one tonight was bench points. The Warriors blew them away. Fifty-five points for the Golden State Warrior bench, just thirty-one for Sacramento. The big difference, though, Kings only played three guys off their bench. They played eight guys tonight. The Warriors played a ton of guys, and they had. A lot of really good production from guys like Kaminga um, and Jordan Poole and so forth. Number two was share the ball. They did that tonight. 29 assists, Davion and uh, Tyrese Halliburton combined for 14 of those from your starting backcourt. That's great. You take that on every any night. And then number three was finish possessions early. This is something they didn't do a good job of. Nine offensive rebounds for the Warriors, second chance points. A lot of uh, open threes off of those offensive rebounds or wide open dunks. There were two threes in a row taken by Clay Thompson after he had gone ballistic, mm-hmm. where the Kings players basically just said, "Hey, it's Clay Thompson shooting it. It's going to go in," and they all just stood there. Pretty much everyone on the court just stood there because <laughs> they expected it to go in. Can't do that. Obviously, you have to still focus and be in the right position and hustle for the rebounds. You'd think his name was DeRozan. You'd think it was. Because when he shoots it, it goes in. Jonathan, thanks for joining us. We're going to talk about trades in the next section uh, after we're done breaking down the game. And also tomorrow, we're doing another episode of the Royal Report. We're going to be talking about trades. We're going to have an interview with James Ham. So make sure you guys stick uh, or just keep up with us. Keep up with the channel. Hit that notification cowbell. And you'll find out when we put out these new videos. But we're going to dive into trades. We're going to talk about the Pelicans. We're going to talk about all that in about maybe 10, 15 minutes after we finish wrapping up the game here. 
All right, Calvin, let's dive here into the box score. Yeah, so as you mentioned, Davion Mitchell, one of the best, if not best games of his, or the best game of his young career so far. 26 points, career high, 11 of 17 shooting, 3 of 5 from 3 to go along with eight assists and a steal, only two turnovers also. And he... And those were late. They were. They were very late. And he held the ball or, you know, kind of operated the offense for uh, the majority of this game. You know, Tyrese played 36 minutes, but there were times where I was like, is he even out there right now? He just kind of disappeared again. Mm -hmm. Um, Ten points for him to go along with six rebounds and six assists. You know, it's a a decent all-around game, but only three of 11 from the field. He didn't get his first points until very late in the game. He had a big three late in the game. And then there was another one in the corner that if he would have hit that, it would have brought the Kings like within like six or seven. It would have been a huge shot. Yeah. But another one of those concerning moments where you're like, I get it. Davion was playing really, really well. And so they, they kept looking to go to him, but it it felt the same way as when De'Aaron Fox is out there. Tyrese is kind of just waiting, you know, for his opportunity, but he's more passive than he is aggressive. Mm -hmm. Um, Harrison Barnes was big again tonight, 25 points, 8 of 11 from the field, 8 of 9 at the free throw line, his normal efficient self, 5 rebounds, 3 assists. And how about Damian Jones with 17 points, 5 rebounds, or sorry, 4 rebounds and 5 assists from him in 24 minutes off the bench? This is one of the best games I've seen out of Harrison Barnes in a long time. We talked about how hot he started out this season, shooting above uh, 50% from three-point range. But I just love the efficiency tonight. Eight of 11, eight of nine from the free throw line. I I think games like this, the Kings have a good chance at winning if he can do this. And they can get a little bit of production from the bench. You know, Damian Jones... Another amazing game for him and very efficient as well. But then again, Buddy Heald comes in with another six points off the bench. He's playing 27 minutes. He didn't shoot horribly tonight, but still, every time I hear that Buddy's heading to the basket, (laughs) I'm not. It just does not sit well with me at all. I know he only had one turnover tonight, and that was late in the game as well when he just coughed up the ball at like half court and – the Warriors go and have an easy layup. But I, it sucks that I keep, you know, diving into Buddy, but he played well the other night. I, I said he had a good game. He played like shit tonight. Yeah, not a good matchup for Buddy. I mean, you know, when you're basically your only strength on the court is three-point shooting and you play a really solid defense, not just really solid, one of the best, if not the best, in the NBA. Great team defense. They can switch all screens. They've got many versatile players that guard multiple positions. Uh, It's going to be really difficult for you to get off an open shot because they know that's what you're looking for. They're they're going to be. They're not going to. They're forcing you to drive into the lane. Mm -hmm. They they are not going to let you sit and take that open three. Um, And for a guy that needs to get a couple of shots to fall for him in order to get into that rhythm and then have, you know, himself a really good game playing teams like this. Very, very difficult for him to get going. Yeah. We got to give a shout out to clay Thompson, 23 big points for him tonight. Uh, I think Brian said here in the chat, maybe he should get drug tested after the game. I don't think that's going to help the Kings, but I'm all for it. Uh, Another 20 point game for Steph Curry. 
I just love the balance of this team. You know, you're missing a couple starters, but you look at it, 12 shots for Wiggins, 11 for Curry, 11 for Thompson, 10 for Kaminga, 11 for Lee. Like, this is a very well-balanced and a well-run team, and that's one of the biggest reasons why they're so competitive and why they play well even when they are missing, you know, some of their star players. You can say that about any of the the good or better or best teams in this league. They're all going to be very... Uh, evenly balanced. Obviously, they're going to have their stars and the guys that they rely on heavily for offense, but they're going to get contributions from their role players every single night. That's what makes a complete team. Is there a good matchup for Buddy? And Jeff says, yeah, Europe. <laughs> Europe. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> All right, we're not gonna we're not going to keep bashing Buddy here. We love Buddy. We just don't like it when he doesn't play well. All right, anything that really jumped out to you? The Charlotte Hornets are a good matchup for him. Yeah. He averages, I think his career is like, for his career, he's averaging 25 a game against them or something like that. Anything that really jumps out um, on team statistics for you tonight, other than the fact that the Warriors shot 56% from the field and 47% from three-point range? You know, those that doesn't even jump out to me. I mean, yes, when you see a team shoots 40 they were shooting 50% from three for most of the game. Mm-hmm. When you see that, it is um, star- alarming or, or noticeable. But then you're like, it's the Warriors, and you kind of just forget about it. What's more um, kind of eye-popping to me is how much the Kings actually did well in this game. They shot over 50% from the field. They had 29 assists. They had 13 steals. They had 56 points in the paint. And yet, they were down by 26 Mm-hmm. And I feel like I've said that about the Kings a lot this season, that they've had games like this where offensively they play more than well enough to win. Yeah. But they don't just lose. They lose big because their defense is so bad. And rebounding is an important part as well. Absolutely. Got killed on the boards today. 25 to 40. That's huge. Steals pretty even, blocks pretty even, turnovers dead even, 15 and 15. You know, most of the stats in this game are, are pretty, they're pretty even. Other than the fact that the Kings were up by two and the Warriors were up by 26 at one point in this game. All right. Michael wants to trade Fox and Tyrese. Wow, that's a bold strategy. We'll talk about that in the next section. So make sure you stay tuned for that. What do you think about Rashawn Holmes tonight, Calvin? 24 minutes, four points, four rebounds, three assists, a steal, a block, a couple turnovers. He was in foul trouble. He was, um, which that we're not really surprised to see. I mean, that was one of his biggest issues last year in a year that we all thought, or most people say that's a career year for him, but he got himself into foul trouble early so many times and limited his, his effectiveness mm-hmm. late in games. So he, he definitely still has a tendency to do that. But as far as what I'm seeing from him now, it's just more of the same. I, I don't really know what's going on with him. I don't know why the Kings aren't really playing him a bunch of minutes or the type of minutes that we were used to seeing him play before he got hurt he doesn't really seem to have the same impact or effectiveness on the game. Tyrese and him, I don't really see them run pick and roll much anymore together. Whereas in the beginning of the year, that was pretty much unstoppable. 
I'm not really sure what to make of, of what's going on with him. It's so strange. It really is such and, and a I strange see, thing. I think I see him second-guessing himself out there, too. There are a couple times today where I saw him catch the ball with a good look at the basket right around the free-throw line. Over the past couple of years, we've come so accustomed to seeing that be an automatic push shot, mm-hmm. which is usually automatic and goes in. He doesn't even look at the rim in a couple of these instances when he catches the ball. Or he hesitates, takes a dribble, goes into a spin move, turnaround hook shot, which is so not his game. Yep. I mean, he's got a chance to make that, but it's the percentage chance of him making that open push out at the free throw line is probably more than double what it is him driving into a defender and turning into a spin hook shot. Yep. I got to give some more praise to Mo Harkless. I love what I saw out of him tonight. 18 points. You know, we have been pretty critical of him because he has not played well offensively at all this season. You know, we talk about the defense. We talk about some leadership skills from him. We've seen him yell at mostly Buddy Heald a lot on the sidelines. But six steals tonight for him and 18 points, 7 of 12 from the field. I loved what I saw from Mo Harkless. I don't think he's capable of doing this regularly which is why i was against him in the starting lineup in the first place but obviously the kings are dealing with injuries you got to kind of move guys in and fill them in but uh you know you look at just the stat sheet here maybe minus rashawn holmes you think oh maybe the kings win this game you know they get a good game out of uh davion mitchell they get a good game out of harrison barnes uh mo harkless stepped it up too. damian jones they end up losing tonight, and I mean it's the Warriors. So no one really expected them to win, but I just got I want to give some more love to Mo Harkless. He did. He had a really good game. The problem with him is that he just has been up and down all year. Um, and Gotham's right; like he's even been in and out of the lineup, which you can say for a lot of these Kings players. And I realize you make a coaching change that early on of the season, that's going to definitely affect the number of minutes that a lot of these guys or a lot of the players on your team get. Marvin Bagley, a perfect example of that. But we've seen as the year has gone on now, all these guys are just in and out. You you never know what what to expect, who's going to play. Tristan Thompson, Alex Len, Mo Harkless, Metu. Um, And I, I know the Kings have been searching for answers all season long, but I feel like you have to, when you're midway through the season, you got to have a little bit more continuity in your rotations and your lineups. Yep. Yeah, you definitely have to. And COVID has been a whole nother animal, right? What's up, Gothin? What's up, Sass? Thank you guys so much for joining us. Yeah, Calvin's looking all <laughs> sharp and shit. He's got the hair slicked Thanks, back. I appreciate that. And no beer. But that's okay. We had a lot of fun last night. I hope you guys did. We had a lot of fun. All right, Calvin. Um, anything else you want to talk about in this game tonight, or, or are we ready to move on here? Um, yeah, no, I mean, I could talk about Davion Mitchell more. Like, I, I was just really, really impressed with him. And, and it, you know, I for everybody that doubted him early on in the season, we preached patience with him a lot early on this year. So just give it time. He's obviously a great defender. The mm-hmm. shot's going to come around. It's going to start falling more. He's going to get a little more comfortable. And I actually wonder what he would look like at this point in the season if he had been drafted by another team 
where he didn't have to play behind two established point guards already. Who knows? Maybe he'd be more in this rookie of the year race. Yeah. What do you think about this Halliburton and Mitchell pairing? What's up, Sean? The Halliburton and Mitchell pairing? Yeah. I, I like it. I mean, I didn't like it today because, again, it's one of those things that just worries me about Tyrese. It's like he can be the only person in the backcourt in order for him to be aggressive and, and uh, have a good game offensively, minus the assists. He's always going to be yeah. doing that. But but today, you know, Davion was so hot, and he was finding teammates too. Him and Damian Jones had a great connection early on. Mm-hmm. He had like three or four assists to him right away. So they just kept the ball in his hands. He was running the offense for a lot of this game. And Tyrese was once again in that position of just kind of floating out on the perimeter, maybe looking for an open three, but really not, you know, affecting much. If he's not hitting shots and he doesn't have the ball in his hand to uh, to find assists, then he's pretty ineffective out there, just like anybody would be. So I I don't know. I'm just – I love Tyrese as a player. He he's really talented. I mean, sure, everybody you know has things they can improve on, mm-hmm. but he's off to a really good start for just a year and a half in. But I just worry about his effectiveness with a another guard that also is going to have the ball in his hands a lot. Yeah, I was listening to uh, you know the Kings beat today with James Ham and Sean Cunningham, and they were kind of talking about this Mitchell. Uh, Halliburton, Fox, three-guard lineup, and whether they could all succeed together. And and James was saying that he thinks that all three could survive on a team together and potentially play well and be on the same team for, like, the next 10 years. However, you know, they went a little bit further down the road as to, you know, who could get traded, uh, why, whether it's a fit, whether it's money-wise, stuff like that. And, you know, I think I agree with him in the fact that he said Tyrese is the most untradeable guy on this team, Um, which I I don't know if everyone agrees with. A lot of people would say Fox, stuff like that. But it's, it's, it's very interesting seeing these games that Halliburton looks like he kind of disappears a little bit when he is not dominating the ball. And that just makes me think like, okay, well, if he's going to be the guy that you're building around for the future, does he need to have the ball all the time? So that means maybe you're trading Fox. Davion's going to come off the bench and always play opposite from Halliburton. So then what kind of shooting guard are you bringing in? You'd think that a guy like Buddy Heald would be perfect next to a guy like Halliburton, right? Like catch and shoot. Buddy's not great at handling the ball. Ty can do that the entire way and just get him, uh, you know, the shot when he's, when he's open. But – it's uh sorry, James just texted me. I think he wants to come on Look here. Look at Barry, he's bit. all famous now texting James Ham. <laughs> I don't have James's number. He said he's waiting on Davion Mitchell right now. Uh anyways, it's just interesting seeing these guys and how they potentially work together, potentially don't, because you know, we've seen games where Tyrese has played incredible. He had thirty eight points the other night, but then the other guard does okay. Yeah, well, I mean that—that's kind of my point, and that I'm—I'm I'm just nervous of uh, 
of how it's going to work for Tyrese with anybody, let alone De'Aaron Fox or Davion Mitchell. I mean, no matter what other guard you have in the backcourt with him, you, you're going to want that starting two guard to be productive as well. So Tyrese has got to, he's got to learn, uh, you know, more of how to like play off of another a guard and, and be more aggressive and, and be, I think he's got to be more aggressive early on in games. You know, we saw Davion got off, get off to such a quick start today. I think Tyrese basically said, well, I'm just going to let him do his thing. But you, you can't afford to do that in the NBA. You, you have to keep the pressure on 100%. I mean, you look at Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum. Those guys have a great relationship, and they play off of each other really, really well. And they both get their shots up. You know, and this Kings team, it's not like there's other another player on this team where you're like, well, that guy has to get 14 shots a night as well. I mean, Harrison Barnes has played really great offensively recently. Um, and, you know, they have a, another type of guy or they have other guys that can provide uh, some offense for them on any given night. But you don't look at this team and you're you're like, well, there's a third guy that really has to get shots up. It's pretty much just the, the two of them, whether it's Davion and Tyrese or De'Aaron and Tyrese. So Tyrese has got to he's just got to be more aggressive early on, I think, because the longer it seems to me, the longer he waits throughout the course of a game to really look for his shot and get things going, the harder it is for him to do so. Yep. Yep. I agree. All right, Cal, are we ready to move on here? Yeah. So overall, couple, couple good, good games for a couple guys on the Sacramento Kings. Harrison Barnes, 25 points tonight. I thought he played one of his best games of the season. Uh, Mo Harkless, 18 points, six steals. We saw Davion Mitchell set a new career high with 26 points tonight, but the Kings ultimately lose this game 126-114 to the Golden State Warriors. On to Oklahoma City, Calvin. But before we get there, we're going to talk about some trades. We're going to talk about De'Aaron Fox and his ankle, and I think James Hamm is going to join us here in a, a few minutes. So uh, we'll be right back. Make sure you guys stay tuned. When we come back, we're going to talk more about your Kings. Welcome back. This is Around the Crown. We're talking all things Sacramento Kings and beyond. Join the Royal Family by hitting that subscribe button down below. And if you enjoy awesome content like this and you are a Kings fan, make sure you hit that thumbs up button down there too. All right, Calvin. So we talked about all-star voting. We talked about this new format for the Rising Stars game. Davion Mitchell and Tyrese Halliburton have both been named to this pool, so they could potentially be involved in this tournament. Um, but right now, all we have to talk about is the trade deadline. Three games until the, uh, the deadline, which is February 10th. You and I are going to be at two of those games, having fun, and we're actually going to be doing post-game live at uh, right across the street or right across, you know, the walkway from the stadium. The courtyard. Right across the courtyard. So make sure you guys all join us at Punchbowl Social uh, live after both Minnesota Timberwolf games. All right. So let's talk about Fox. 
He didn't play again tonight. I think this is what six games number in seven. a row, seven games in I a row now. It's number seven, which is crazy. Uh, James and Sean were able to catch up with him yesterday, and I watched their interview. They're basically peppering him with questions: How's the ankle? What has the doctor said? Uh, when can we expect you back? All, all stuff like this, and you know, he didn't seem to be very sure of himself. But he did have a little bit of that attitude as well. You know, they were like, well, how did the MRI go? And he responds, he says, I'm not a doctor. <laughs> and they're kind of like, oh, yeah, no shit, me too, right? But what did the doctor say? Yeah. You know, was there any damage? No. So what's the problem at this point? It's a sore ankle. They said, can you run? Can you jump? Do you have any problems doing that? And he said, no. He said it's a lateral mobility thing. So it's cutting, mm -hmm. it's stopping, it's basically doing anything basketball. Yeah, I was going to say, it's a big <laughs> part of playing basketball. And then he talked a little bit about the ankle injury that he had in, I think it was November of 2019, where he, he sprained the ankle, and it's the same ankle, and he said that he hasn't really had the mobility since that injury. And I, I think the, the timetable on, you know, missing that was potentially uh, a few weeks, and, and he comes back much, much sooner. All right, guys, we're going to welcome in a special guest. We have James Ham here from ESPN 1320 and also the host of King's Beat with Sean Cunningham. Thank you so much, James, for joining us tonight. Hey, no problem, guys. Another game of Kings basketball. We're calling them the Sacramento basketball team at this point. I know they were able to win last night, but you have any comments tonight on the game before we jump into Fox and trade rumors and stuff like that? Yeah, I mean, I think if I'm going to talk about tonight's game, it would be just that they really struggled to defend the three. And you're talking about one of the great greatest three-point shooting teams of all time. And I, I didn't expect them to win tonight. You're on the second night of a back-to-back -back. Alvin Gentry went to an eight-man rotation, um, just trying to sure things up, trying to get the win. I thought we saw some some really bad first half play by players like Buddy Heald, uh, Mo Harkless, Rashawn Holmes, Tyrese Halliburton. Uh, specifically, Mo Harkless really recovered in the second half, finished with 18 points all in the second half, and, and had six steals. Uh, Buddy hasn't been right for a while. Uh, this wasn't a great game out of Tyrese Halliburton. Uh, but overall, and and I'll say this too, Rashawn Holmes has been a little bit hot and cold here uh, since he's been back, and so yeah, not a great not a great performance. But you know they had a shot. That that's all, I think all you can ask for in a game like this, where you're you're basically coming off an emotional win after a long road trip. Uh, you've got a back to back, and next thing you know, you're up against you know one of the best teams in the league. Hundred percent. Under poor scent. Well, before we talk about Fox, I just want to remind everyone um, that you are doing your own YouTube thing now. You have a YouTube channel called The King's Beat. I saw you're right around that 500 subscribers mark right now, which is awesome. Everybody's racing to 1,000. So if you're watching right now, make sure you guys go subscribe, support James, support The King's. We'd love to see you guys do better. And uh, we're going to put you know a link to that in the description of this video below. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. All right, Calvin. I think uh, we were just discussing De'Aaron Fox and the yep. ankle injury. I watched your podcast today with Sean, and you were talking about your interview yesterday, showing some clips. 
Can you just give everyone watching kind of an update on what's going on with deer and fox? Yeah, it's probably the strangest thing that I've ever seen in my time covering the, the Sacramento Kings, and that's 12 seasons. So that's saying a lot when it comes to an injury. Uh, Fox says that he tweaked it against the Detroit Pistons. I think I remember seeing him have like a bad step. Uh, so that's not a big surprise. He said that when he got to the, the Milwaukee Bucks game, that he, he just didn't feel it. Like they, he started having some pain in the ankle. Uh, it's a low, it's not a high ankle sprain. It's a low ankle sprain. But at this point, I think, what are we at? Seven games. And it's not just seven games. He hasn't played since the 19th. So we're looking at like two plus weeks. And to me, that's really a long time for something that he's been cleared medically without any question. They've gone in and, and done MRIs and there's no structural damage. Uh, there's no grade one, grade two, grade three sprain. Um, there is no, you know, hairline fracture of something. Um, so it really does come down to his ability to play through pain, which is something that he talked about, uh, which not a lot of players will, uh, will go on record and say, look, it's about pain management and, and I can't get through it. Um, so I think when you look at the way that he plays, it is a lot of lateral quickness. He's not what you would call like a true, like straight line driver. Uh, he can still like, he still has his burst. He still has his ability to leap. What he doesn't have is ability to go right and left. And for him, that's pretty substantial. Uh, but at the same time, like your team is losing a lot of games and I think they're one in six without him during this stretch. And I think they're one in four when he went, went out with COVID, uh, that's not good. And, and this team is sinking deeper and deeper into a hole. So what are they? 16 games under, 500 again after the the loss to the Warriors and they really need him on the court um, to be honest with you I'm not sure that we're going to see him before the trade deadline we, we just have no idea because every day he comes in he's questionable and I'll say this even like the first time he went he didn't play against Milwaukee he wasn't on the injury report and that's usually like if you're not on the injury report and then all of a sudden right before game time we get a, a message that hey he's not playing that's that's strange so um, I, I don't think he and the team are fully on the same page, uh, but at the same time, you know, it's a player's right to say that his body hurts and that something's wrong and that he can't go. Uh, and, and I don't know that it's our place to question it, um, especially, you know, a guy who typically is a very quick killer. You talked about the grade three. He was out seven weeks with the grade three back in November of 2019 and uh, he came back so much quicker than anyone would have ever expected. Like it was almost like miraculous how quickly he came back. Yeah, James, I feel like the timing of this is also part of what makes this whole situation so puzzling too, right? I mean, we're seven days out from the trade deadline now. You're totally right. It's no none of our uh, you know rights or anything to choose or say when a player should or shouldn't play or, or how they should not listen to their own body but the, the whole thing just seems kind of strange to me like you said it's this one of the weirdest things you've ever seen covering the team I, i'm kind of putting you on the spot here but in your personal opinion do you really think that there's something more going on behind the scenes do you get the sense that he's i don't want to use the term quit on this team necessarily but do you feel like maybe after five years of losing he just is kind of fed up and had enough at this point, And that's playing a role in this. 
I don't think that he's a quitter, but I do think that the situation in Sacramento hasn't been good. Um, I, I think when you have, like I've talked about this extensively, especially on D'Lo and Casey uh, on ESPN 1320. When you have a, like a group of players, like, you know, you come into the season with 17 players, including your two way players. And you got 15 guys who are all committed and gung ho and are working on stacking days and this mindset of, of getting better every day and growing together and all this stuff. And then you have two guys who literally don't want to be there that had not just requested a trade, like in the previous couple of weeks leading up to the training camp, it had been like a year for both Buddy Heald and Marvin Bagley. Um, I don't think that De'Aaron Fox came in with the mindset that he normally does. I think he he looked around the room and said, like, why are these guys here? They don't want to be here. This is really hard to push forward when we're just kind of sitting here waiting for them to go somewhere else. And, uh, you know, Buddy is is a noisy dude. Like uh, he, he's liked by his teammates, but it also like, I, I think at a certain point it can a little bit get under your skin because he is uh, he's, he's chirpy. Uh, and we all know that, you know, Marvin Bagley uh, senior and De'Aaron Fox have had words in the mm-hmm. past. I don't think that that situation has ever been like perfect. And I don't know that De'Aaron dislikes Marvin. I, I've actually talked to him in the past and, that wasn't the case, but we're kind of in a weird situation where because of COVID, we're not in the locker room every day. We're not seeing these guys and talking to these guys and having conversations like we normally would where, you know, even if guys don't say anything, it's not like you can't feel it. You can't, you can walk into the room and if you're intuitive, you can look around and go, okay, something's going on here. You know, it's like you walk into the break room at work and you're like, something's happening. Mm-hmm. Are you two together? Like what's happening? Like, you know what I mean? Like you're, you're looking around the room and something's amiss. You're like, are you quitting tomorrow? Like, yes, I'm quitting. How did you know? It's like, well, you can feel it, right? Yeah. Well, that's, that's the same way in a locker room. Like when something's wrong, you can feel it. And we've had crazy situations in Sacramento, like, you know, walking in after DeMarcus Cousins, like literally just destroyed George Carl verbally. Um, and then we walk in and everything's quiet and every, all the players are grouped together. And we're like, what is happening here? And you could hear a little bit when we we're outside the locker room, but not really what was happening. And then you're sitting there like, okay, this is weird. Something, something bad happened. Like the way that people are broken into groups isn't normal. And then Vivek walks in with Lottie Debots and Drake like into this weird, awkward <laughs> locker room. And we're like, God damn, what is happening? Like, you know, so you get in these situations where you're like, what is happening? Well, and, and the reason I bring that up is like, you're in their space. It, it's their world. And you're a visitor there, but that doesn't mean you can't feel and, and see what's happening. And we don't have that advantage at this point. And when we're sitting, you know, 20 feet away from a player and he's sitting behind a desk and he's on a zoom and, you know, we're in the room, but you know, he's not next to us. He's not a you know, foot and a half away from us. You're, and you're also not allowed to like pull a guy aside and not like, have a quiet conversation. Like what we're used to having sidebars. Um, it's just different. And so I would like to tell you, we know everything that's going on, but <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll tell you that from day one of training camp, De'Aaron Fox was not the same player that they were used to seeing. 
and he wasn't the same player behind the scenes. And he came out early in the season and looked exactly like that. And so at this point, I, you know, that's why I kind of circle February 10th. If he's here after February 10th and the same 16 other players are with him, I think we're going to have, we're going to have more information very quickly after that. Um, I, I don't think things will go well after that because I think that there's going to be some, some demands on what's happening here. And so we'll have to see what happens. I, I mean, it's an intriguing saga. I, I hate to see it because he's a young player who's got tons of potential and this season he's not living up to his potential, but that doesn't mean the potential is still not there. Like we watched him score 25 yeah. and mm-hmm. uh, a game last season, have seven assists a game and, and be the leader of this team. And you know, this, this franchise has a way of wearing you down. It does. It definitely does, even as fans. But uh, one thing yes. that really stood out to me today on your podcast was you said that we might have seen De'Aaron Fox play his last game in Sacramento. And, you know, that could very well be true. But I just kind of want to know what your gut feeling is at this point. Do you think he'll be with the team after the 10th? Do you think he's he's going to be traded? Just where's your gut at? You know, I like all my information says that they want to build around him and Tyrese. Um, but like, you know, you, you just can't keep running the same 10 guys out there every game. This team is bad, you know, and like they shouldn't be this bad. The players are like, if you look at each individual player, they should be better than they are. Like this team as a whole should be better. Not each individual player should be way better than they are. That's not being realistic. Um, but I think we've gotten to a point where like, we understand fully that this core is broken and that it's not good and it can't stay together. And you can't keep again, trying to do the same thing and just making tweaks, a massive overhaul has to happen. And that doesn't mean you have to take like 10 steps back, but you have to have different players. Mm -hmm. You have to have different players that are in that locker room. So even if you're taking out a specific you know, $22 million player and trading him for another $22 million player that have identical contracts and just do slightly different things that needs to happen. Whatever it is, you know, the Kings need to like revitalize what's happening behind the scenes. And that's not for this season because I think this season's a wash. I don't care about the the 10th seed in the Western conference. That's just another good way to get your ass kicked. Um, you know, like who wants to go into a one game series and just get thumped and then act like you made the playoffs when you really didn't make the playoffs. That's the plan is not the playoffs. So if I'm looking at this, honestly, um, I I think that there's still a decent shot that like a a pretty strong shot that De'Aaron Fox is with the Kings after, uh, after the 10th. But even though everyone tells me that like, this is the group they're building around, uh, you know, Halliburton and Fox. I still don't think I believe it a hundred percent that, that this is the only way that they move forward this season. And so I could see, I could see a big trade. You know, we keep hearing like little rumors here and there, uh, the Philly rumor, you know, we've heard we've, uh, Jason Anderson reported on, um, a possible Pacers trade, but that was shot down, like vehemently, uh, declined, uh, by people inside. Like that's just, that wasn't something at all. Um, and then, you know, I, Brian Windhorst mentioned something about the Pelicans. Um, that's an interesting situation, but I, I don't know. 
I, you know, again, um, that would take a lot more sourcing and figuring out what they're offering and everything else. The Kings can't get fleeced for De'Aaron Fox. He's 24 years old. Mm -hmm. Uh, He won't be 25 until December of next year. He's under contract for four more years. If you trade him and you don't get back equal talent, then you shouldn't have your job on, on, uh, you know, April 15th, 16th, whatever the end of the season is. You just shouldn't. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. On that topic of kind of moving forward and, you know, what do the Kings do from here? I don't know if you saw uh, Brian Flores' interview on Get Up this morning where he's talking about his lawsuit that he's filing against the NFL and um, there he's detailing how the the owner of the team bribed him a thousand dollar or a thousand dollars it was hundred thousand yes thank you a lot more yeah. than a thousand for every loss obviously the kings that's not the situation here or at least we don't think that but it, it's kind of weird that we the kings are maybe in the exact opposite position of that where like you said it, it's easy to see that this team is broken this is not working uh that they haven't succeeded to the the level that a lot of people thought that maybe this collection of players could but yet we're hearing from the gm that they still have a lot of faith in this young core they want to build around them all of that stuff what do you get is the overall sense of the direction this team is going to to go past this trade deadline is it still the goal to try to make a big deal not necessarily to salvage the, the rest of this season like you said but to to stack talent on the roster for moving into next year or are they maybe sort of more leaning towards draft positioning and and things of that nature or both well i or both yeah i mean what they really i I think there's a point where you could do both right but at this point like man you gotta lose like Mm -hmm. i mean look at look at where you're at you're like the you have the fifth or sixth worst record in the nba i mean you have a legitimate opportunity to move up into the top five well, to the top four, I don't think they can. I mean, it's possible they could um, get to a position where they would be. Well, getting the fifth pick is really difficult. Getting one, two, three, four is easier for the Kings at this point mm-hmm. than it is getting five because that would mean that uh, they would have the fifth worst record and the top four team, the worst four teams landed one, two, three, four in some combination. Um, so, like, it's more likely that you're either the six or the seven spot. Um, even if you end up with the fifth worst, fifth worst record. So for me, like, man, like I, I think the top three are, are solid. Like, I don't know if there's a guy there. Like I like Chet Holmgren, Holmgren, um, uh, Jabari Smith, um, uh, like the kid from Duke, like, like, yeah, yeah. I I like all of them. Right. Um, but are they, do they instantly say all-star? Do they instantly turn your franchise around? And I'm not sure, like there is not a LeBron James in this draft. There's not a Luca that we've seen. There's, there's not a like surefire all-star slash superstar player. Now there's a couple of guys that could get there. We don't know. Um, so that to me is like, okay. So I think that that's one route that the Kings should honestly consider. They should consider being bad the rest of the season. And in that situation, you trade Harrison Barnes for draft picks uh, a draft pick and a young player. You trade Buddy Heald for whatever you can get for him. Um, you trade Rashawn Holmes for like a late teens, early twenties, first round pick, and you bring in you you clear a bunch of salary 
but you also give yourself some other assets to go work with this off season and go try to revitalize what it is you're doing. Um, but I still think that like the way that this team thinks about things is just so ass backwards half the time. Like they're still looking at the fact that they're only what three games out of the, or two and a half games out of the 10th We're seed. almost there. We're and so close. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's like, you're so close, but you've lost like, what is it? Like you're three and 13 now or your last 16, something crazy like mm-hmm. that. Like you should not be thinking that way. And you should be looking at ways to get uh, like sure yourself up going forward. Now that doesn't mean that if, if you get up to the last day, and some crazy big deal that makes you better this year and the year after and the year after that, like if a Ben Simmons deal does come back around and you're looking at a 25-year-old all-star under contract for three or four years, like you still have to keep your avenues open for that, which is why I don't think as of right now, we're seeing the movement that a lot of people expected that we would see. you know. But at some point, if we get to the like the witching hour, uh, as, as they like to say on the red zone and like, you know, wins and losses are decided in the next 20 minutes, like you have to do something, you have to do something because this thing is broken. You can do something at the end of the season, but you need to do right now is you need to like snap this core in half and let these guys kind of heal up over the last half of the season, go young, give Davion and Halliburton and Fox all kinds of time to, to figure out chemistry, work together. Like let's see Namias Keda. Let's see yeah. a little bit more Chemezi Metu and see what he's got. I'm not so concerned about Jemias or, or Robert Woodard. I mean, maybe you give a little bit of time to Jemias, but I'd also like to see is, is Damian Jones. Uh, he sure does look like young Rashawn Holmes. And, you know, can he develop? Can he, if you give him 25 to 30 minutes a night and knowing that you're going to lose a bunch of games, but can he like develop into something that you can keep, you know, and keep around for a couple of years? So I really do think that there's a, there's a lot of ways it can go at this point, um, but it's a mess. And, you know, if you're doing something, just to solve a problem for this season to try to win games this season, even if it's like, like I brought this up on the podcast today, if you're going out and trading for Jeremy Grant right now, man, that, that to me is chasing windmills. That's Mm -hmm. just because you're going to have to pay him. And now you're looking at a 20, he'll be 28 later, uh, like before the season's over and he's under contract for next year at 18 million and he wants $112 million extension. So you're looking at a, uh, like five years at $130 million for a guy who will be 29 years old during next season. So you're looking at 29, 30, 31, 32, 33 on his five-year deal. And he's a guy who's only scored and only put up big numbers on horrific teams. Yep. Like he, he hasn't shown that like that he's any better than Lamont Murray, that he's any better than, you know, go back to the old Kings days when, they traded for Antoine Carr and, and Rodney McRae, and they averaged 20 points a game. Mm-hmm. Well, they averaged 20 points a game because somebody's got to score. That's a Somebody bad team. Somebody has to do it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so I, I worry about that with Jeremy Grant. Now, I, is he a horrible player? No, I, but is he an upgrade over what you have in Harrison Barnes? Mm, I don't I don't know. Like, coin flip? Yeah, lateral yeah. move. 
Yeah, I, I think we agree with you that this season is is a lost season, right? And it's it's yeah, it's not worth doing anything for this season. Everything that you do now, every move that you make now, needs to set your franchise up in the future. And I, I remember on one of your podcasts, you said that this isn't a team; this is a collection of players, right? And you need to yeah. find ways to move guys around. Let's say you have too many point guards or or too much talent at, at a certain position. You need to find a way to shuffle those guys around to fill out these other needs. Part of that is an issue with drafting best available, right? Like I feel like Monty has been on this. I'm going to take the best available. And maybe that's a byproduct of seeing Vlade pass on a guy like Luka Doncic because they already had De'Aaron Fox. So he's drafting best available we had Leo on here a few times, Leo from Cowbell Kingdom, and he's a total anti-tank guy. He's like adamant that the Kings need to develop a culture and they need to make the play in this season. And I'm completely against that. I agree with you. I feel like they need to stack assets, have their draft pick for next season. So the thing for me that really pops up as, as kind of one of the answers is the trade for a guy that's injured who's maybe not going to be able to help them through the rest of the season, but will be able to do something next season. So I look at a guy like Miles Turner. I love Miles Turner. He he gives, you know, the defensive presence inside that you need. He can also stretch the floor. He could potentially miss the rest of the season. The Kings could still end up with a top five pick and have him fresh going into next season. I want to hear your thoughts on that. And then you mentioned the Pelicans. I know a lot of people here are big fans of Brandon Ingram. But I think the ultimate home run or the ultimate high risk, high reward would be a possible trade for Zion. I have no idea if he's even available, but I want to hear your thoughts on maybe packaging Fox and some other assets for a guy like Zion or a guy like Miles Turner. Okay, so I'm not giving up Fox for Miles Turner because to be honest with you, Miles Turner is, you know, like I look at guys in the in kind of the way that I look at like a starting rotation for a baseball team. Right. So I think Fox at, at this point, we're realizing he's not a legitimate number one ace, right. Mm-hmm. But he's probably a really good number two. And, and there's a possibility that if you, you really got good that he could be pushed like a number three. And I think that Tyrese Halliburton has a potential to be a number two. Right. Well, I look at miles Turner and I think, best case scenario he's like a four starter so while i like him and i like what he does and i like his fit with De'Aaron fox i don't necessarily like his fit with tyrese halliburton because tyrese halliburton needs a true pick and roll man and mm-hmm. miles turner is not a true pick and roll man he can do the pick and roll he's okay in the pick and roll but he's he's more of a stretch big and i, I love his defense but he's also not a good rebounder at all you know, he's a guy that averages seven rebounds a game uh, for his career or even less. Um, so while I, I like the idea of Miles Turner, and if the deal was right for Miles Turner, if I'm giving up Buddy Heald for Miles Turner, if I'm giving up, you know, two expiring contracts and and a future lottery p- protected first for Miles Turner, then I'm all in. Like I, I get what you're saying. Like you add Miles Turner. You don't have to worry about winning this year because he's not going to be there for part of it. You let the other guys that you have kind of develop. Um, there is concern that he's under, uh, he's got one year left at $18 million. There's also concern that, um, that he thinks he's better than he is. 
that he wants to be an offensive cog. He wants to go to a team where he's going to be a focal point. And like when you're as far into the league as he is, because he was drafted, what, 2015 in the Willie Cauley Stein draft. Um, when you're that far into your career, you should know that you're not going to get that, that opportunity. And, and it's not just because you're in Indiana and Indiana has other talent. It's because you're not going to get that opportunity to be that, that offensive weapon that you think you're going to be. You might be able to get one or two more shots a game, but like I remember like seven, eight years into Jason Thompson's career, he's like, man, I'm just waiting for that opportunity where I get 12 shots a game. It's like, <laughs> bro, you ain't getting that in Israel. Like you're not getting that in Turkey. Like you're not getting that in China. Like you're putting up 20 and 10 in China is because you're shooting eight times a game and no one can stop you. Uh, but like, that's, that's kind of like, it's an issue that, that I see with a lot of players where they refuse to acknowledge who they are. And, and then once you, as an NBA player, acknowledge who you are, then you play to that, you play to that strength and you get better at the things that you do. Well, you can add a couple of things, but your, your main objective should be get bigger, stronger, faster, learn to play through contact. You know, if you're miles Turner, um, take care of your body the right way, work on your three point shot. Don't work on a bunch of off the ball stuff. Don't work on a bunch of mid range jumpers. Don't work uh, like tirelessly on your dribbling because that's just crazy talk. Like that's not who you're going to be as a pro. So again, I like miles Turner. I like him for the right price. Uh, I like the fact that you could trade for him, appease a lot of the fans that you actually made a move, but get a guy who's probably not going to play a ton in the second half. Um, so that makes sense. Now, you you brought up the other the Pelicans and look at this point if I could work like I would I would have to listen really really like closely to a De'Aaron Fox or Brandon Ingram trade I'd really have to listen to that um, because that's a deal that balances your roster instantly it gives you star level talent all star level talent at the small forward um, I think he can play the the two the three and the four. Um, and, and that makes a lot of sense to me. I'm not touching Zion Williamson with a 10 foot pole. That dude, I mean, last time we heard he was like 340. Um, you know, he's, he's got a, a foot injury. He's already shown to be like, like there in, in New Orleans, kind of a malcontent, not in that he's a bad teammate or anything, but that, you know, we already hear that he doesn't want to be there. And, you know, what's he going to do in Sacramento? Yeah. You know, I, I think there's a big difference between him. Yeah. And, and you need him to sign an extension. So he's not under contract long-term you have rights to him and stuff, but that doesn't mean anything. I mean, he could, he could force his way out. He could stop playing like he, you know, we've seen it this year where he, he literally just hasn't suited up mm-hmm. and that's a team that's still trying to win. That's it. That's a team that has more wins than the Kings or has the same amount as the Kings. So, uh, and that's without Zion. Now when he plays, he's, he's a ton of fun to watch. Um, but at the same time, it's such a risk when it comes to the injury that I just can't imagine because they're going to want two first round picks. They're going to want Fox and uh, a first round or Fox and two first round picks. That's what they're going to want the moon for that guy. And I just don't think that he's worth the moon until he proves that he's worth the moon. And you're just taking too big of a gamble on a franchise piece. Now, again, we can go back to Brandon. Like I, I would consider that I would get, because in that situation, that doesn't like it doesn't stop you from chasing Ben Simmons again. 
it doesn't stop you from keeping uh, Harrison Barnes and, and figuring something out there and seeing if that's a balance. And then you would, of course, go trade Buddy Heald and find some other piece that worked as well. Um, like, I think there are ways to improve this team relatively quick, uh, but like you can't make the wrong mistake. You can't, you know, and again, Miles Turner, a uh, six foot 11 dude with a broken foot. That's a bit of a stress that, you know, that's, you know, what does he have a stress reaction, right? I was concerned um, when and, KD you know, had a broken foot. Cause I was like, this guy is too big. He's frail. He's got a foot injury. It, he proved me wrong. And I'm not saying that, you know, anybody yeah. else is going to do that, but it's it just interesting. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you always have to just be super cautious, you know, like I, I know that uh, like the Kings wanted to draft Michael Porter number two and uh, instead of uh, Marvin Bagley, they, they legitimately wanted to draft him number two. Right. Um, and then they got the medical, and I was told by someone inside the walls afterwards, we would not even consider him in the second round. Wow. And, and sure enough, Michael Porter, I mean, he's got tons of talent. Like he's incredibly talented. He had two back surgeries before he stepped on an NBA court. And that was it. And in addition to the back surgery he had uh, coming into the draft and then now he's down again. And so like he, when he does play, he can be great, but how many times is he going to miss time? How much does that slow his progress and development? You That's know, just like what happens, Marvin. Yeah. You know, that's, that's true, but there's even something more to it. Like when you miss major time and you're a young player, that means that you miss like the basic steps of development. And so Marvin Bagley missing basically his entire third season, just absolutely catastrophic to his development. Like you still see it. He doesn't there. He's so much better as a position defender right now than he has been, than he was in his first three seasons, but he still doesn't like the team concept just isn't there. Like he still gets, uh, he's not a good help defender. He's not a good rotation defender. He still runs it at, three-point shooters with his head down, which I just don't get. You take a six foot 11 guy with a huge wingspan, he puts his head down and you know, he, he looks like a, a five foot 10 dude running at you. Mm. Like every, every guy in the league can shoot over the top of him. Cause he's running like with his head down. So like, I, I don't understand what he's doing there. Um, but that's part of the development that he misses that he missed during his time. And it's just really tough to recover and, and to be something that, that like realistically, even if I thought that I, like I said it on draft night, I would have drafted Luca. Like, I don't know what you're doing, but yeah. at the same time, I think Marvin Bagley can be 20 and 10 without any problems. And at this point, Marvin can't be 20 and 10, like not anymore. Like there's too many injuries. There's too many, there's too much baggage and he's going to have to reboot his career starting over at the, at the like bottom basement. So again, like that, that, that whole like losing time when you're young is huge. I don't even know how I got on that subject, but there you go. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think we echo the same sentiment. You know, we, we all we all root for Marvin, but you're you're right. I mean, at this point, with everything that's happened in his career, injuries, the off the court stuff, his dad interfering and everything, it's just it feels like the, the time is right for him to move on and, and start somewhere else. Um, I want to kind of shift gears to more of a a positive subject because we've talked a lot about negative things since we've had you here with the team 
Davion has played so great, you know, in these past seven games, or really five games, I guess, really, is really when he's come into his own since Fox has been out. We've been big fans of Davion all year long. Uh, preached patience early in the year on him when his shot wasn't falling. He's just the the type of basketball player that you look for. I, I don't know if he'll ever become a star in the league, but he's a guy that I want on my team. And I think you agree with that. But my question is, you know, you talked about keeping Fox, Halliburton, and Mitchell together. Do you think that the three of them can coexist on a team for two, three, four, five, however many years it is? I mean, can they find the right balance to play together? I think so. And, you know, like, I know, I, I'm not sure that Sean believes that because, like, we had this discussion on the podcast today. Um, when I, When I look at them, like, I mean, Davion really is not a primary ball handling distributor. Does he do it on occasion? Yes. Did he have, what, seven or eight assists tonight? Yes. But for every game that he's had six assists, he's had probably equal or more games where he's had one or fewer assists. Like, it's not in his mindset. His, his, uh, his thought process is really to look for his own which is, it's kind of strange because when you watch him in college, you're like, okay, like he's such, he's like a, a third guy, right? Or a fourth guy. He's not a major offensive weapon. He's just a really good off-ball shooter and stuff like that. So I think at the NBA level, like you can have moments like tonight where he goes for 26. That's fine. Like, but you shouldn't expect that all the time. And you shouldn't expect him to score more than like 14 at his peak, maybe 15 points per game, probably more like the 13 to 14 point per game. And if that's who you're, you're really your third guard is, then I think you're in a good spot. Like if you have Fox like sprinting to the basket and finding him on the kick out, he's an excellent uh, catch and shoot three ball guy. Um, if you have, again, the same thing, you have Tyrese Halliburton working the two man game with a big man, and he's over on the side and, and he's a, a wide open shooter because uh, you've collapsed the defense. That to me, like he's perfect for that role. On occasion, he breaks down the defense, he pulls up and he hits a 10, 12, 15 foot jumper. Uh, you know, sometimes he gets to the rims, sometimes he gets a couple of extra buckets on, on breakaways and stuff like that uh, on live ball steals. So I think he can be a really, really good, impactful, effective player. But that doesn't mean that he has to play 30 minutes a night. Like, I think we can all agree that Matisse Thibel is like, if he's not the best like perimeter defender in the game, then he's like number two. And I don't even know who would be number one. Like, you know, what are we in like Lou Dort, Lou Dort yeah. and yeah, him. Like, I mean, it's, it's, he's so incredibly good, but he, he still should not play more than 26 minutes a game. Like he can't help you enough on the offensive end. He can't stretch the floor on the offensive end. Um, he's gotten better as a three-point shooter. He burned the Kings for some three-point shots. But that's I see Davion a little bit in that way. And so it, it, to me, it doesn't matter whether he's starting or coming off the bench. Um, you know, I, I think that there still needs to be some chemistry worked out between everybody there. Uh, but I, I'm not sure that we're gonna see that. I like I, I think that there is there is possibilities for for movement there and um, again, Davion's played so incredibly well. Like I, I think he's shown that, you know, maybe you can do something else there. And, and even if I'll say this, even if you moved on from Fox, 
I still don't think I would walk into next season with a backcourt of Tyrese Halbert and Davion Mitchell. Like we're seeing it in small sample sizes, but we're also seeing the Kings get clubbed in every, almost every single one of these games. Like they, Mm -hmm. they beat the nets who had lost five in a row coming in. Um, But the other games where those two started, yeah, they, they played well. They put up numbers. They got killed. Like the team got, 20, 20 point yes. average margin of losing. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it's not good. So, and like coming into next season, does that mean that I would rather have, like, if you did move on from Fox and Halliburton, would I rather have a guy like Terrence Davis starting? Probably not. I probably still look at Terrence as like a six man. Um, so then I've got to go out and find that two again. And yeah. I, I don't think that that's, that hard i think in the nba it's probably one of the easier positions to fill at this time uh you know like the lakers just went out and signed like six of them in the offseason like malik monk and <laughs> mm-hmm. and all these guys right so I, I think malik you can monk. yeah like but you, i think you can make moves i think you can go out and find that other guy to work in the backcourt and my point is that i like what davian is right now but like he's gonna have to show me that that this little stretch here is more of who he is um, and not the, the previous 40 something games where, you know, if you got 10 points one night, it was good. If you got two points one night, you're like, okay, uh, every once in a while I went for 16, but you know, like you never really knew what you were getting. And I know he wasn't consistently playing all the time, but he was getting a lot of minutes. Like there's plenty of time for him to show sort of a path. And, uh, and I just wasn't, convinced and i'm not going to be convinced by five games that go the other way either yep well we don't want to take up too much of your time we you know want to thank you so much for joining us but i got one final question for you james let's say monty's fired tomorrow and you are hired as the gm of the sacramento kings i'm going to put you on the spot here but i want to hear what moves you're making before the deadline man that's tough um number one i'd feel bad for monty uh, number, <laughs> number two, if, I mean, we don't know what he knows. That's the problem, right? Yeah. Yep. Like, like I know some of what he knows, like I've had, I've had enough conversations like around the team and stuff. Like I have a good idea of what he would like to do and stuff like that. Um, what would I do? Uh, if Philadelphia is willing to come to the table and I've got to take on Tobias Harris and I give up Harrison Barnes, Buddy Heald, Marvin Bagley, um, Tristan Thompson, and a pair of first, uh, like top five protected in year one, something like that, maybe top seven protected in year one and in 2022. And then uh, moving forward, like n- n- the protections go away. Um, if I could do that for Ben Simmons and Tobias Harris, I, I make that deal. Um, so I know that the Kings believe that Tobias Harris contract is one of the worst contracts in the NBA um, and, and they don't want to touch that deal. Um, but like he would be the best uh, Tobias Harris, not even considering the fact that you're getting Ben Simmons, Tobias Harris would be the best player that De'Aaron Fox has ever played within his career. Mm-hmm. So, so I would do that deal. Um, I, no matter what, no matter what happens here, I would make sure that Buddy Hield was on a different roster uh, because I think that's what's healthy for his teammates and for himself. 
Um, and I, it, it would depend on what you're getting back, but at a certain point, like I, I'm, I don't care. Um, I would think hard about Rashawn Holmes and see if I can fill a major void at a different position. Uh, if I'm not making a big deal for like a Ben Simmons and, you know, I'm probably still looking to move Harrison Barnes to get younger and to help a team that, you know, wants to win now. Like I'm looking at like a Harrison Barnes and trying to get Patrick Williams and expiring contract of Derek Jones out of Chicago, uh, something like that. Um, you know, there's nothing that intrigues me about Utah and whatever they were having conversations. There. Yeah. I know they had conversations yeah, with I Utah. That. Yeah. But there, there's nothing there in Utah that like, huh? Like, you know, even like Jordan Clarkson, like what exactly were you looking at there that, that made <laughs> sense with this team moving forward? So, yeah, I, I mean, I would be aggressive like they are uh, and I would swing for the fences like they are. Um, I would also like, if you can get Sabonis, I love Sabonis. I, you know, um, can you, can you do a bigger deal for Sabonis? Can you, can you get Brogdon involved in that deal? Um, you know, and again, talk about taking a step backwards this year to take a step forward. Um, but I, I think that there are like a bunch of groups of trades that you could do that could reshape the roster, keep some of the talent that's here, um, but really hit a hard reboot on the core, uh, but not a hard reboot as in just trash the core to nothing and then be bad for the next three or four years. I mean, like build something, build something that, that like is at least intriguing going into next season. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I got in this discussion last year with, uh, with Carmichael Dave, and he was convinced that the King should have just tore it all down last year because who cares? No one's, no one's coming to the game anyways. Right. And I said, but, but what about next year? And he was like, well, next year is next year. It's like, well, yeah, but now we get to this year and we got 8,000 people in the seats. (laughs) Like you had no excitement coming into the season. Your star point guard didn't play well. The first 15 games of the season, there was no excitement. Now you have 8,000 fans. Like that's, that's, you didn't build, you didn't do what you should have done last year. Right. You shouldn't have done. You didn't do anything last year. You lost Bogdanovich. That's all you did. Like, so I, I didn't buy the, no one is watching, you know, what do you think your television, I'll just say this. What do you think your television partner thought of last year? I can tell you what they thought because I'm no longer there. Yeah, <laughs> <That's>, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's the way they didn't put any money into the product. They didn't win. They didn't do anything that would, you know, bring people in to watch games. Your, your television partner cut their, their coverage team. Yep. So No one covers a team day to day for NBC sports. So, I mean, that's what we're looking at here. We're looking at the cause and effect of, of years and years of neglect. But at this point, like you got to figure out something big, you got to figure out something splashy. You got to get excitement. You got to do something that's right for the fan base, not something just to do something, something that makes a team more appealing, more attractive going forward. Yeah, I agree 100%. Very well said. And we've been waiting, you know, for a big trade for a couple years now. And, you know, maybe <laughs> it's part of our fault. You know, you, you look at Monty, you look at what he did in Houston, the success he had, the whole goal there when they got there was acquire assets and then trade for a big name guy. And they were able to get a guy like James Harden who, ter- like, totally turned that franchise around. And maybe us Kings fans, you know, we're, we're just – asking for too much or thinking too much but 
uh, I think we all kind of felt that that was the mode, right? Like we're going to acquire assets, draft picks, young players, and then we're going to upgrade those and end up trading a big package for a guy. And I feel like most people thought that that was going to be Ben Simmons. And, you know, it seems like that's kind of falling apart at this point. You, you talk about Bagley still being here, Buddy still being here. Well, you look at Philadelphia, and Ben Simmons is still there. And who taught uh, who taught Monty everything he knows? Daryl Morey. So they're both hard negotiators, and they're kind of like stuck in this face-off right now, which is crazy. Yeah, you know, I Monty. He's not the first one to have this idea, like that you walk in and and you you keep contracts around that are expiring. You have your draft picks. He, if there's one mistake he didn't do, is he didn't go out and get more draft picks. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that that's clearly an issue at this point. That you had last off season, I mean last trade deadline, you had the option of trading Harrison Barnes for first round pick and then a bunch of other assets from Boston. Um, I think you had the opportunity to trade uh, Rashawn Holmes as a, like a, you know, an expiring contract, but you had an opportunity to trade him for a first round pick last year um, and you didn't do it. And I I don't blame them for not doing those things. Right. Because if you're looking at your team and you think maybe my core isn't that bad. And maybe if I add a few pieces around it and we go forward, then not only do I have like a core, but I also have, these players that I think I can go get something with, which is realistically what he walked in the season with. He thought he had buddy and he thought he had Marvin. Um, and he also knew he had Tristan Thompson and, and right there we're looking at, you know, $45 million in contracts. You should be able to go out and package those with something and you have enough expiring and enough, you know, cap mobility and freedom there to go do something. And it just hasn't worked out so far. Like I, I Brandon Williams sat across from the table from us years ago, a couple of years ago, and just told us and like, well, no, we think we can make Sacramento into a destination situation. And it was just like, dude, there's a door. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, you guys live in Hawaii. That's a destination situation. <laughs> you guys can't get an NBA team. Like, <laughs> you know, like we just lost like, the I, Pro Bowl too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, you know what I'm saying? Like, what in the world are you thinking? And so when it comes to to Monty. I think it's not, there's too many stipulations that you have to have on a player for yourself. Right. So I think last year, by the end of last season, you were thinking I could go with the 28 year old. I could go like push really hard to get a Bradley bill or really hard, even like a Jeremy Grant in this situation. And if the Kings like, let's just back up. If the Kings were five games better than they are right now, Jeremy Grant might make sense because then you actually have an opportunity to make the playoffs this year and to make the playoffs next year and to start building something, you know, there's, but you're not, you're bad. So now what you've gotten yourself into is uh, like Monty has, I need a young all-star level player. I'm willing to give up picks. I'm willing to give up players. Um, But that young all-star player has to be like within like 24 to 26 And then, oh, in addition to that, he really does need to be under contract for like three years at a minimum because I can't trade all these assets. I can't trade my 2022 first round pick, my 2024 pick. And then when I get to 2024, I don't have the player anymore, Mm -hmm. right? So 
like there's so many stipulations on what he has to look for as in a player that it like you really do make it so it's like you know Ben Simmons, DeMontis Sabonis, uh, you know Pascal Siakam, John Collins, um, maybe Julius Randle. Like now I'm out of players. Like name another guy that could possibly be available that's between 24 and 26 years old is under contract for three or four years. And that's just really hard when you've got yourself to a situation where that's now I have to find one of those teams that number one is willing to take a step back because you're not offering a step forward. You're offering a step back, but draft capital so they can go forward later. Mm -hmm. And then you got to have a better offer than someone else. And that's just not, that's not easy. You know, like it, this season would be way different if Montrez Harrell and um, Kyle Kuzma are on the roster. Oh yeah, it would have been a hundred. It would have been a hundred times different. Yep. Like I, I can yep. tell you, like this would have been a different season. I'm not saying they're going to be like a, a six seed, but they're four, five, six games better than they are right now, and that means that you're close to 500. So like it, we're just in a situation where like a deal fell through. And the reason I say that is because if you make that trade, uh, Marvin Bagley is no longer, he's a tertiary player. I mean, you can do whatever you want with Marvin, but Buddy Hill's not on the roster. You got new blood, you got fresh locker room feel. Um, you know, you got a physical dude in, in Montrose Harrell. Like, I just think things would have been much different. And uh, and we're just not in that situation. And now they're they're scrambling. And, you know, I know they've been told no more than than once. And yep, yep. that's, that's hard. So now you're, you're sitting here yep. like 52 card pickup. Now I got to scramble and pick it all up the ground off the ground and like figure out what the next deal is. If there's another deal and the clock is ticking and, you know, I think they have a few deals that they can do right now, but they're waiting for a better deal. They're waiting for the bigger deal. And uh, they're hoping that that comes to fruition between now and, and Thursday. Yeah, and you don't make a deal to just make a deal, right? You only make a deal if it makes the team better. Yep. You got any more it, questions? It's got to be better. Yeah. I mean, not just – it's got to be better in a specific way. Either you're taking a step back and you're getting picks better or you're getting a better player. So, like, it, it's it's not that you're getting better for today because today is over. Right. Like, yep. I mean, yep, I agree. Yeah, they need yeah. to lay the foundation again 100%. Yep. All right, James. Well, we're going to let you go here, but before you leave, you want to plug yourself, plug your socials, plug your YouTube channel to everybody watching. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the Kings beat. Um, if you go to the kingsbeat.com, that, uh, it's a newsletter slash blog. Um, and it gets sent to your email box every day. So, um, I've been covering this team for 12 years for NBC for, I, I own cowbell kingdom for five years. I was a stringer for NBA.com, writing the game book every day for three years before NBA.com. I uh, killed that. And uh, so I've been around this team forever. Um, and so I, I reinvented myself with the Kings beat over the last uh, few months. Um, Sean Cunningham is my partner there, who's been absolutely incredible. Uh, we really do have a good time on the pod. And we're, we're two of the longest uh you know, the guys have been around the longest covering this team and we got a lot of crazy knowledge and a lot of crazy stories. Um, so the Kings beat, uh, and then we have the Kings beat YouTube channel, uh, the Kings beat podcast, um, uh, which we do both on YouTube, um, and, uh, an audio version of it. Uh, but the best way to do that is 
to just hop on and subscribe to the newsletter and, and do that. So yeah, we're approaching, we're right at 500, just about 500 uh, subscribers on YouTube, but we only started YouTube channel maybe six weeks ago. That's so it's awesome. pretty good. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're going pretty, we're growing pretty quick. Uh, our numbers are, are really good for, for podcasting. And, uh, but you know, again, we've been covering this team for a long time. So, uh, it, it's a, it's a grind and it's fun, but, uh, outside of that, you can follow me on Twitter, um, at James underscore ham, which is H A M, uh, N B A. And, uh, follow me there. And I've been on Twitter for a long time and I do all, I, I live, uh, live tweet games and, uh, do post game videos and, and all that stuff on Twitter. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us. And I got the link to your channel in the description below. So everyone that's watching, please click, click on that link, subscribe to the channel, support James. I know when I think of Kings basketball, you are one of the guys that I think of. So much thanks to you for just, you know, taking all the time to develop and, you know, learn all this knowledge and hold on to it and you share it with everyone. So we greatly appreciate that. We appreciate you for coming on the show. Next time you're in Maui, you're going to have to send me a text. And uh, Calvin and I will be in Sacramento next week for both Timberwolves games. So maybe we'll see you then. Yeah, drop by, drop me a line and uh, drop by and say hi. All right. Sounds Thank you good, so James. much, James. We have really a good appreciate night. it. Thank you, buddy. Aloha. Aloha. All right, guys. Well, that was a good conversation with James. Make sure you guys all go check out his channel and support him as well. We root for every everybody that's Kings over here, right? You know, Deuce and Mo, if you like them, if you like James, if you like, you know, Leo, Cowbell Kingdom, uh, Sacktown Pete, uh, Skip, you know, support all the Kings guys because that's one thing that we really need to do. And the only way that we're going to lift this Kings team up is – all sticking together here. All right, Calvin, anything else you want to talk about in this section before we move on? I mean, I don't know what I can say now. James dropped some some good knowledge on that on us there. So Any thoughts on his his comments and stuff? We learned a little bit tonight. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it was just interesting to hear kind of, you know, I know he can't really maybe go into too much detail about what he knows and what he doesn't know and stuff like that. Um, but just interesting to hear his own personal thoughts on the team for a guy that is so close has been so close to this team for a number of years mm -hmm. um, to be, there are very few people that I've heard be all in on Tobias Harris and Ben Simmons together. Yeah. So it, that's a really interesting take, you know, but I, I agree with him a hundred percent that the team, the, the bottom line is this team cannot just sit back and do nothing. They, they have to take a chance. They've got to make a splash and it, it just might be that that is the deal that has to get done. Yeah, it, it uh, I mean, they got to do something, right? Yeah. And like he yeah. said, you know, Ben Simmons aside, Tobias Harris is probably the best player that De'Aaron Fox has ever played with. Right, right. So, you know, we, we talk about, uh, I guess you could call them failures in front office, in the past of having DeMarcus Cousins and drafting Papa Giannis, drafting Willie Cauley-Stein, guys that are in the same position. It seems like the Kings are doing this again, right? They, yeah. 
they're drafting Tyrese Halliburton, they're drafting Davion Mitchell, and not a knock on those guys at all because they've been incredible, and I'm I'm really excited to have them on the team, but it's got to make it tough on De'Aaron Fox that you're not giving him help. These are guys yeah. that are either playing with him on the court and taking the ball out of his hands, or they're playing when he's not on the court. So they are right. not helping him necessarily win basketball games at this point. Yep. And on the note of De'Aaron Fox, that that's just a real uh, big, big issue that's going on right now. To hear James, you know, talk kind of about his own conversations with De'Aaron and reading his body language and stuff like that, we all kind of agree that it's not good right now. So if the plan really is to keep him and build around him, you better start doing stuff that's going to make him happy. Exactly. And make him go out there and say, my ankle feels good enough to play today, guys. <laughs> like that that's a, a yeah. very important part of this whole trade deadline. Whether you keep him or not, obviously that's the first decision. But if the decision is to keep him, you've got to do some stuff to get better talent around him. Yeah, smash up that like button if you guys like having guys like James Ham here on the channel. We will continue to reach out and bring you more awesome content and more insiders. So make sure you guys hit that like button to let us know that you enjoy stuff like that. All right, Calvin, we ready to move on to uh, Oklahoma City? We're on to Oklahoma City. All right, guys, we're going to take another quick break here. And when we come back, we're going to jump into the next week of basketball action with King's Crusade. Welcome back to Royal Rebounds, a YouTube channel for Kings fans by Kings fans. The Kings continue their crusade to make it back to uh, the NBA lottery or the playoffs or the draft, whatever you want to insert in there. Next up is the Oklahoma City Thunder. Calvin, the schedule's getting a little easier here. If you, you like, know what that means. If you like the schedule getting easier, make sure you hit that like button down below. And if He's you about enjoy, to lose some heartbreak. If you enjoy awesome Kings content like this, consider subscribing to the channel. So yes, we have a somewhat of an easier schedule coming up. We just had a nightmare schedule. Next couple games, we got two games against Minnesota Timberwolves next week that you and I will be at both of those games. And we're going to be doing post game live right across at Punchbowl social. So yep. make sure you guys join us for that. Minnesota's playing pretty well lately too. Yeah. I don't really <laughs> think you can consider those games cakewalks by any and means. And then Saturday, this Saturday, our very next game is against the Oklahoma city thunder who are actively trying to lose games at this point, they are 16 and 34 on the season, and they occupy the last spot in the West. And I'm not letting you do keys to the game on this one. Maybe trying to lose games, <laughs> but the Kings tried to lose. They successfully lost the, the first matchup earlier this year, even though they were up 18 at one point. Yeah, I'm not letting you do the keys of this game. I'm going to do that. But All right. I'll save I'll, my keys for after the game, though, so that we can compare both of them. Okay, but I'll, I'll let you. I'll let you put in some thoughts here. <laughs> well, I can't really put in thoughts without giving my keys to the game. But I'll, all I'll say is this: the Kings clearly they let this first meeting between these two teams get away from them. As I mentioned, they were up eighteen at one point. They had a horrible, horrible fourth quarter mm -hmm. after a great first half. I think they only scored eighteen points or something like that in the fourth quarter. So. This is a, a winnable game, even though 
you know, we don't really talk about many games these days as, as being what you would consider winnable. Th- this is a team that the Kings match up well against, even if they don't have De'Aaron Fox. Davion Mitchell continues to play like he's played over the past, you know, week or so. The, the Kings should be in a good spot, but they have to close out the game better. I mean, that's yep. partly what it's going to come down to here. They got to close out the game. They got to play defense. They got to rebound. There's a lot of things, but uh, I'm going to give away my key to the game, and I only have one. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's your secret, huh? You just pick yeah. one. I just pick one key, and my key is they need to score more points <laughs> oh my than the Oklahoma City <laughs> Thunder. So I'm going to stick with that key because right. we're going back to the basics here, Calvin. We certainly We don't want to confuse these guys we with all these are. keys of the game. They can only seem to focus on one thing it's at a, a time. Bold strategy. So Cotton. I'm, I'm going to give them one key, and that's it. you got to okay. score more than you give up. That's fair. You'll never lose that score way. Score more points. Never lose. Yeah, and if the other team never scores, you'll never wo- you'll never lose either. So. <laughs> That's true. What's up, Marcus? What's up, Ryan? Kristen, it's good to see you here. I don't know if you're late or not, or I just haven't seen you in the chat, but I hope you had a fun time this evening watching the Kings lose and uh, joining us and watching our conversation with James Ham. But uh, yeah, it's it's another week of Kings basketball. It's easier i want to say easier than last week but (laughs) what does that really mean what does that mean for sacramento it means nothing they had a week where they had two games against the rockets and one against the pistons and they lost two of those three games so it means absolutely nothing yeah especially if your best player is not going to play that brings me to my next subject (laughs) (laughs) do you expect to see darren fox on saturday night no i don't I, after, you know, reading into it myself, you know, seeing what's going on over the past week or so, hearing what James Hamm has to say about the subject, you know, a guy that's actually had conversations with him, I I don't think we see him until the trade deadline is over. I really don't. Yeah, I agree. And maybe it's going to be a coincidence that his ankle feels better. Maybe it's waiting for a trade. Who really knows? But, yeah, I think it's safe to say we're probably going to see some more Davion, some more yeah. Halliburton. I don't think that's a bad thing. You know, we, we talked with James no. about trades. We, we talked about sitting players, who should be playing, how they should, you know, view the rest of the season. It's a lost season at this point. So it's time to get some of these young guys playing time. If they do hold on to Deer and Fox, which I would not be disappointed if they did, get him healthy. He's not going to learn anything in the next 29 games. He's not going to change his game or the type of player he is. No. He's not going to show you or me anything in the next 29 games that's going to change our opinion on him. We already know he's a good player. Yeah, that's true. Uh, the only thing that would change things for me is if the Kings pull off a trade for somebody like Ben Simmons. Then I think Fox needs to play the second half of the year because you want these two guys. You have one guy who hasn't played in, in almost a year Mm -hmm. and another guy who's been in and out of the lineup with the current group of players this season a lot. Now you're, you're completely changing out the roster. I think that those two guys should play games together so they can go into the off season with at least a little bit of work put in beforehand. Yep. Yep. I agree. I agree. 
Well, there's not really much we can say other than the Kings need to figure something out for these next couple games. Normally, I ask you what game you're most excited for in this next week, and I think I already know that answer. So, Yes, Wednesday, February 9th. Okay. I mean, I'm excited for both both games, but courtside. What else courtside What else season. are we going to do there, Calvin? What are we going to do in the arena? I know we're courtside on arena. Wednesday, but what about Tuesday night? That's a good question. Uh, we will definitely be walking around. Hanging out at the upper upper deck. What's that bar up there called? The Sierra Nevada. I think it's just the Sierra Nevada something tap house yeah. or something like that. Get some yep, proud get some ale. Proud ale. Uh, talk to some people. Hopefully, all you guys will be there. As many people. Uh, I don't know. King Stradamus might make an appearance. We Who might knows? have a King Stradamus sighting. We might. We'll obviously be at Punchbowl Social, so come hang out with us there after the games. And then you know we we'll be walking around downtown Sacramento while during the day. So. If you're out and about, maybe you run into us. No, we did not hear a boom from a Tonga <laughs> explosion. But that's a that's a pretty funny question. It's a pretty funny question. We've had tsunami uh, alarms, tsunami warnings, but nothing has really been serious. Yeah. But uh, but they do a tsunami warning funny. the first of every month here. It's yeah, always we, funny because I work at a hotel, and as soon as that, I'm out at you know on the pool deck or whatever, like serving drinks and yeah. As soon as that siren goes off, people flip out. Oh, yeah. Absolutely flip out every single time. I They're tell like, them what all. What does that mean? Are we going to die? I tell them all it's the rent alarm. Yeah. <laughs> oh, rent's due. We yeah. all got to go yep. pay rent. <laughs> That's funny. All right. Well, no, guys. thank you, cross o- Crossover. What is your name? Crown Hover. Sean. Oh, Crown Hover. Appreciate Sean. you checking in on us. Yeah. And we got a bottle of Crown right here, Sean. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for joining us on another episode of the Royal Rebounds podcast live with Calvin and Barry. Unfortunately, the Kings lose tonight 126-114 to the Golden State Warriors. Make sure you guys uh, tune in tomorrow for another episode of the Royal Report where we break down an entire week of Kings basketball in about 30 minutes. We have fun while we do it. And then uh, we'll be live on Saturday post-game to uh, talk about this potential win against Oklahoma City or loss or maybe a trade or just something, maybe Ben Simmons, maybe Darren Fox. We'll be talking about a lot of things, King, so make sure you guys tune in for that. But thank you so much for joining us this evening. Make sure you smash up that like button down below. Hit the subscribe button as well. Have a wonderful night, and in the meantime, go Kings. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly. An AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. 
When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.